good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me, as always, Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Do you ever lead with anything other than what's up, Levin? Well, you know what's up. I'm recording a podcast. All right. I mean, look, I'll start switching it up. I didn't realize it bothered you. Some people like the routine, you big jerk. I I had to think of something new to respond with because you ask me what's up every single time. And it's like, well, shouldn't you know, considering you're looking at me and talking to me? This is the 89th episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you are new to the show, this is where you get the hot takes, mostly from me, and the cold truth, mostly from the human wet blanket, Levin Black. And as you see how we started the show. That'd be Ty Streets. Hmm? 89. Uh, yeah. 89? I think he was. I like Ty Streets. I'll never, I'll always have a soft spot for him because he caught the, I want to say the go-ahead touchdown, I think it was, or maybe it was the game-tying touchdown against that in that big comeback against the Giants with Jeff Garcia. Mm-hmm. Ty Streets is the one that catches. Yeah, the one that should have never happened, but the refs were clearly on our side. Hey, man, I don't know what you're talking I'm about. Not, I'm not complaining, that. but when you literally tackle the receiver. Yeah. Oh, at the end of the game? Yeah, they literally believe... tackled him. <laughs> Steve Mariucci said it best. Quote, bummer. Yeah. End quote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Before we get rolling here, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We always say, if you honor us with a rating and a review, we will honor you by reading it on the show. That brings me to this, Levin, from Dud's Guy. Must listen for 49ers fans. Five stars. I've held off on writing a review for months until I knew I could provide a thorough examination of Niners Nation hosts and podcasts as compared to whiny Jimmy Stan reviews like those of late, who are just coming to trash the podcast for bogus reasons. The true value of Niners Nation podcast comes from its diversity of hosts, personalities, their individual expertise, and continuous stream of content that avoids repetition. First, I love the in-depth big, big brain analysis from KP and Akash. Michelle brings such great insight from the analytical side. Javier and Leo have great discussions providing thoughtful discourse. Levin and Rob always have realistic bring-you-back-to-earth dialogue that gives good perspective on the team. And 49ers in 5 is my first listen on my daily commute. All of these 49ers superfans bring reasonable, logical, and analytical insight without jabbering on like your typical mindless Seahawks fan. Duds guy, thank you very much. Uh, I noticed how he saved the best podcast for last there, right? I wasn't going to say anything, but he did <laughs> mention that, Akash, KP, Javier, Leo, Michelle. Yeah. What about yeah. Now? Levin also, because the last pod he mentioned was 49ers and five, which is hosted by me. That's not a real podcast. Solo, baby. So thank you, Duds guy. Just for that extra little slap at Levin. That makes that review all the worthwhile. That is but... not a real podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We really do appreciate all your support. We are so close to 200 ratings. If you could just find it in your heart, if you're a fan of the show, a follower of the show, and you haven't left a rating and a review yet, please drop us one. If you've already left one, leave another one. Ask a question, throw a comment in there. We really do appreciate it. Okay. On today's show, we're going to get into a few things. Uh, Trey Lance expectations has been a big topic this week. A lot of people have weighed in. We'll weigh in. I actually heard uh, Jason Aponte go on a a fire of a rant the other day, yesterday, I think it was about Chris Sims and some of the things he's been saying about Trey Lance. 
Uh, I have a, a tiny little shred of NFL scheduling news that we're going to get to. And obviously the real schedule will leak out today and be revealed tonight. I think 8 p.m. on NFL Network. So we'll get into that. Rookie It'll probably mini- leak right before you post our podcast that's being recorded Wednesday night. You're not wrong, uh, sadly. <laughs> Rookie minicamp is around the corner. Uh, it actually starts tomorrow, so we'll get into that a little bit as well. One thing we want to see coming out of Rookie minicamp. And then you, regrettably, asked me a question about Julio Jones that I, of course, think is ridiculous, but we'll get to that before the end of the show as well. Uh, let me just start with the NFL scheduling stuff since you're right. The longer we wait, I can say is I have seen the rumors going around that it's going to be Carolina in week one and Atlanta in week two. I can tell you my sources say that is not true. So no oh. Falcons and no Panthers in uh, weeks one and two. That is not true. Uh, so that is just my only little nugget that I can provide for you. But uh, trust me, if I say it on the pod, you can take it to the bank. Well, uh, I hope they open with the Cardinals while well, Hopkins yeah. is out. I, I would gladly play them week one when they figure out how are we going to pass without the guy that bails out Murray all the time. So today I had some time. So I actually went through the Niners entire schedule since we know all their opponents. And I, I started writing down like potential storylines. What happened in some of the divisional games last year? Do you realize, like, I I remember that Colt McCoy kicked the crap out of the 49ers, but there was also no DeAndre Hopkins in that game. Mm-hmm. Chase Edmonds got hurt in the first quarter and didn't come back. Like, there was nobody there for Arizona, and they destroyed the 49ers. That was such a frustrating game. Uh, so I don't know that I want to see the Cardinals week one. <laughs> I mean, I would rather see them not at full force. Uh, true said the Cardinals definitely have the Niners number lately. And, uh, yeah, that's probably the most inexcusable loss in the Shanahan era. You could put the Falcons one up there, but you could at least see that's a letdown game from the, you know, the 2019 season. You can see that 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 was just a letdown week. This one, they needed every win they could get. Yeah. That was, uh, you know what it is? The Niners cannot run on the Cardinals. They can't do it. They always struggle to run the ball. So then you're always left with the quarterback having to win it for you. And as we have seen too many times in the Jimmy Garoppolo era, that is not a formula for success for the 49ers. So they've struggled against Arizona. Uh, Let's get to, I don't want to spend too much time on the schedule though. Let's get to the Trey Lance stuff. The expectations for Trey. I wrote a, a thing on it for Niners Nation. Some of y'all are crazy. Like, I'm just going to throw that out there. There was one person that I put in the article that wanted like 4,000 yards, 30 passing touchdowns, like 13 interceptions with another 400 yards rushing. But not Mahomes level. Right. And I actually looked it up. There was only one quarterback in the entire league last year that actually reached those requirements. And it was Josh Allen. And like, that's what you expect from 22-year-old Trey Lance in his first year as a starter, you're out of your mind. I don't disagree with you there. I disagree with what you responded to, saying that you would take 3,300 yards and 20 passing touchdowns while also saying that turnovers just need to be under 15. Like, that is horrible. If that's (laughs) all he does, that's not good. Like that's it's, worse than Mac Jones did as a rookie, and Lance had the benefit 
of first year to learn the system and all that. You, you can't be worse than than what Mac Jones put up last year. I agree that they are very conservative projections. It's literally it's 194 passing yards a game, right. which in today's NFL is absurdly low. Yeah. I think that we have to remember how inexperienced Trey Lance is. We have not really seen a quarterback this raw get to the NFL. So what did everybody say? Just look at the quarterbacks this year, right? Malik Willis was like huge project, right? Super talented guy, incredible arm, can scramble, but he's very, very raw. Well, Malik Willis threw 618 passes in college. Trey Lance threw 318 passes in college. So literally 300 less or 300 fewer passes than Malik Willis. Yet Malik Willis is this huge project. In fact, Levin, even if you throw in every pass Lance threw in high school and every pass he threw in the NFL last year, he's still 116 passes behind Malik Willis. That's how raw Trey Lance is. He just turned 22 this week. He's going to be the youngest starting quarterback in the NFL. I really think people need to keep perspective here about what you expect him to do this year. I look at it this way. One, he has a phenomenal supporting cast. He has a phenomenal coach. And if you take what he did in 71 attempts last year and project that out to what ended up being the full season's worth of passing attempts for the 49ers, which was they had 512 total passing attempts last year. So if you take his 71 and translate it on a per-pass per basis to 512 attempts, and I'm not saying this is my expectation, but it comes out to 4,300 yards and 35 touchdowns. So I think wanting a full 1,000 yards less or being satisfied with a full 1,000 yards less and nearly half the touchdowns is horrible. If, if that's what he puts up, I'm full-on concerned. To me, I think the bar for where if he does worse than that, I, I'm a little disappointed. And if he does better than that, I'm all in, love it. That is, and I'll give you the numbers and see if you can figure out what I'm getting at here. 3,978 yards, 27 touchdowns. Oh, that's Jimmy in 2019. Yes. He has an extra game than Jimmy. To me, obviously, he's not going to be as consistent. He's not going to have a completion percentage of 70% like Jimmy Garoppolo nearly had. But he is going to be going for longer passes. He's going to take more chances. That will lead to yards. I think he will have a lot of yards per game. Uh, he Jimmy's been right around 250 yards per game in his tenure with the 49ers. I don't see any reason why Trey Lance can't do that. And if he does that, then you're looking at 4,000-plus yards. So to me, I think that with the extra game is the bar. That's the bar where if he does better than Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019, you're very pleased, all in. If he does worse, you're a little disappointed. doesn't mean you're out, but you're a little disappointed if he does worse than that. To me, I think he should do 40 or 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. That's what I expect, but I'd be happy touchdowns? with a little bit less than that. Combined? Yes. yes, combined, yes. I mean, honestly, even combined – a 49ers quarterback has not put up 30 combined touchdowns in a season since Jeff Garcia in 2001. Like, think about that. We're going two decades 
where a 49ers quarterback has not done that. I just, I don't know. I'm trying to temper my expectations because of how inexperienced Trey is. I hope I'm wrong, of course. Um, But I just, you know, like there are these people that are out there that number one liked Jimmy Garoppolo. So they're saying, oh, Trey Lance has to at least make the NFC championship game or the Super Bowl. Otherwise, it's a failure like that is you're not giving him any fair shot. You're not even going into this trying to evaluate things objectively. So Aaron Rodgers isn't even making the NFC championship game last year. That's true. I mean, look at Josh Allen. How good did Josh Allen play last year? I mean, it's even in the playoffs. He was basically perfect. He was basically a perfect quarterback in the playoffs. He didn't make the conference championship. So we, you know, we, we got to keep things in perspective here. This is a little absurd, Um, but I, obviously you're right. Everything you said about Lance is true. The cast around him, Shanahan, all of that stuff. But I'm, I'm just like, when I looked up that thing about Jeff Garcia, I was like, damn, like, is it really fair to expect that even though I'm, I'm hoping for it? Like, I just don't want to be disappointed. Lance could have a really good year. That's not 30 combined touchdowns. Well, I think here's where your issue is. Jeff Garcia is 20 years ago. The NFL has changed. True. And it has become much more pass happy. Yes. The Niners have two total seasons, two where the quarterback has had 30-plus touchdowns and 4,000 yards. Now, that's because they only have, like, three or four total seasons with somebody getting 4,000 yards because their great quarterbacks were the 80s and 90s, and things changed drastically in the 2000s for passing. I don't expect him. I think it's unfair to expect him to be a Herbert right off the bat, but if rookies can come in, Cam Newton came in, put up 4,000 yards his rookie year then Trey Lance should be able to do that with an extra game on top of it and it being his second year. But Kyle's, how much opportunity is Kyle going to give him? Because I think he's going to, especially early, I think he's going to put the training wheels on Lance. I think Lance is really going to have to prove it early on with Kyle in order to get the opportunity later on to chuck it around the yard a little bit. Yeah, see, I I think Kyle is going to swerve or zag when everybody thinks he's going to, do the opposite yeah um i think teams are going to come out and they're going to expect kyle to take it easy for him they're going to expect kyle to want to run and establish the run and they're going to come out loading the box and that that would be the correct move in my opinion load the box make the young kid prove it yep and kyle will take that and say fine then we're going to play action and go deep First, give him a shot going deep right away. Because guess what? If you do that, even if the pass isn't completed, if you do play action first down and you attempt to pass deep, that defense is backing up. And so that opens the running game the rest of the game. I I expect the 49ers to come out passing more uh, than running just to make the defense play honest. Because if the defense plays honest, that run game dominates. The whole problem is, is the defense hasn't had to play honest in quite some time because of who the quarterback was. Yeah. I, I, Kyle I takes what the defense think. gives him. That's true. And they're going to come out loading the box. If that's the case and he just lets it rip, like sign me up for that. Really, like as 
separate from the raw numbers, what I really want to see out of Lance in year one is the opposite. The, what really made Jimmy Garoppolo such a backbreaker in that not only would he not get the 49ers in the optimal situation, it's that way too often he would do the worst possible thing. And let me give you a perfect example, like the Packers game, right? Second quarter, clock's winding down. Niners haven't been able to get anything going all day. The weather is miserable. They finally get a drive. They go down. They get into the red zone. Jimmy Garoppolo drops back, makes a great play to avoid a sack, then avoids another sack and rolls out to his right. And he's got Kittle open on a scramble drill. He's got a third of the field open in the end zone. It's Kittle and nobody else. And Garoppolo sees it, but he throws the ball. And it's such a poor throw that not only is it not caught, not only is it incomplete, or is it not incomplete, I should say, it's intercepted by the defense. Like that is the worst possible outcome in that scenario. If they don't get the touchdown, if he throws and it's incomplete, you live to play another play, right? Maybe you still end up with a field goal. Instead, it was the worst outcome. No points, no time off the clock. Other team gets the ball. If Lance can avoid those backbreaking mistakes, then it's an improvement over Jimmy Garoppolo. Here's my expectation and what I would be satisfied with not going raw numbers. And that is, I want the wow plays. The Niners didn't have those unless it was Debo or Kittle in the open field. It was all in the after last the few years. Yeah. Yes. I want the wild plays, the avoiding the rush and then completing a deep pass. You know, the back breaking plays going the opposite direction that you see a lot of the great quarterbacks do. I know he's going to make mistakes. I want to be clear on that. I don't expect Trey Lance to have a 4,000 yard season. 30 touchdowns while completing 70% of his passes and only throwing <laughs> 10 interceptions. Yeah. I fully expect a completion percentage well below average in the in, in the NFL, which the average now is absurd. It's around 65%, if I'm not mistaken. I expect him to be in the low 60s, which is considerably less than what Jimmy Garoppolo has done. But I expect him to be taking more risks. I do expect turnovers. I expect there to be mistakes where he thought he could fit it in. Or he didn't think the safety could get there in time yep. because he's adjusting to the speed of the NFL. I expect 15 interceptions. I want and expect him to have the wild plays that allow you to live with that. That is the problem with Jimmy. He had turnovers. He had missed opportunities. And then he wouldn't do anything else. He didn't have the wild play. He didn't turn you know, a pile of shit into a pot of gold ever in fact he turned a lot of piles of gold into shit <laughs> yes that too but that that's the problem with with jimmy i can live with lance making mistakes having a turnover if he's having the wild plays behind it yep and josh that, allen exactly that's what i was gonna say josh allen is that way and that is the, the most year. the most realistic comparison to what you hope he becomes because they're very similar in terms of stature athletic ability and all of that uh, I was just thinking about this today because somebody, I think it was at 49er edits, tweeted out a video of Mike Holmgren talking about Steve Young, your boy, and just how Young developed going from a guy who was primarily a runner into the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest combination of mobility and accuracy we've ever seen. Um, 
And I was just like wondering, like, how open is Steve Young to mentoring Trey Lance? Because if I were the Niners and Kyle Shannon, and even if I was Trey Lance, like I would be peppering Steve Young with questions every second of every day. How did you do this? What did you see? How did you, when did you make the switch? When did the light bulb go on for you? How did you know when to run and take off and when to like all of that stuff? Because I don't know if maybe you disagree with me, but if Lance reaches his full potential, he's a faster Steve Young. Uh, yes and no. Right hand. I mean, I, I can see the comparison, but I mean, Steve Young was the most accurate passer in the league in his era. It has since been surpassed because the league changed to where you can't mug wide receivers all up and down the field. Right. But Steve Young was incredibly crazy accurate. I don't see Trey Lance getting to that level in terms of accuracy. Uh, But I would not be at all surprised. And in fact, I would be willing to bet Steve Young has at least given him some feedback. Because if I'm not mistaken... With Alex Smith and Kaepernick, Steve Young either said or did talk to them and tried to guide them to a degree. Now, he was never a full-on mentor for either one of those. But I do remember, I can't remember which one he talked about it with, but I remember him saying that he was willing to, he didn't use the word mentor, but it it, it was a synonym. I can't remember if it was Kaepernick or if it was Alex Smith. But he's been there. He's been willing. You know, he shows up every season at some point and is around the practices and stuff like that. I wouldn't be at all surprised if there's been a dialogue there because Trey Lance is definitely the type that does reach out to others. I mean, we've seen that with teammates and there have been others that uh, in terms of quarterbacks and stuff that have said, yeah, they've spoken to Trey Lance. I know that young and Alex Smith did talk. Uh, Young was talking to him about the whole kind of, Kaepernick situation and all that stuff. So I think they did have a relationship. I can't remember if he ever did with Cap or not, but Kaepernick like didn't strike me as the kind of guy that would necessarily be open to that kind of thing. No, that that's the biggest negative to Kaepernick. He was very much in his own clique. I think that Trey would be though. It's for, you know, look, I've only talked to him twice and it was, you know, an interview. So it's not, I'm going to pretend like I know him, but the impression that I get is even if he was just doing it to be nice to to other people and like kind of like, okay, they expect me to do this. I still think he would do it. Um, I would absolutely love it. Like, please, let if I could make that a thing in any way, I will do everything I can to, to do that. Um, I Who knows if it's going to happen. But uh, that to me is like the Trey Lance, Steve Young comparison now is just running in a loop in my mind about how that's when I look at my hopes for Trey Lance. That's the kind of player I hope that he becomes not like you said, maybe not as accurate as young. Cause he was a freak, but just that blend of mobility and passing the ball from the pocket. It could be incredible. Right. I mean, the modern modern comparisons are in Aaron Rodgers or current day, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Rodgers isn't mobile like he used to be, but early in his career, he was very hard to get a sack on. And he would run for four or 500 yards a season. I hope it's more Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen uses his running as a weapon. Mahomes scrambles around, but he really doesn't want to run unless he yeah. absolutely has to. He would rather throw it. Mahomes is Donovan McNabb in terms of behind the line to me. Donovan McNabb, I, I'm not going to sit here and say he was a great quarterback. I, I'm not, I don't have the huge 
uh, opinion of, of Donovan McNabb overall as a quarterback. But behind that line, there were so many times he got out of the craziest situations where everything's <laughs> closing in. But he never really took off running. He was always scrambling around looking for the pass. That's Mahomes. I want Trey to kind of have a clock in his head. Like, okay, I'll go through a couple of reads here. But instead of maybe throwing it to like my third or fourth read on some plays, let me just take off, especially if the throw is like, you know, not a sure thing. Just run, man. Just take off. Take the five, six, seven yards. You know, Steve Young talked about it, too, about how like when you run as a quarterback, if you're doing it the right way, 90 percent of your run should be risk free. There should be nobody around you. No chance of getting injured. Really, it's the last five to 10% of the run where you come into problems because maybe you can't slide, you can't get down, whatever. You need to dive for the extra yard. But if you're doing it right, it shouldn't be as risky as people make it sound sometimes when we talk about quarterbacks running. If Peyton freaking Manning can scramble and avoid the hit by sliding all the time like he used to, then any quarterback can avoid the hits. Peyton Manning very rarely got hit. He would scramble at times. He was not fast. He didn't get far down the field, but he would <laughs> always slide and avoid the hit. And he he was the one that was doing the fake slides where he would kind of do this slide where he starts to slide and act like he's going to slide, but then not actually go down and get an extra yard or two. He used to do that all the time. Drove me nuts growing up in Indiana, watching him do that and not being a Colts fan. So if he can get down as you know athletically gifted as Peyton Manning is with his feet, <laughs> then there's no excuse for anybody else. And there has to be a mentality there that unless it's third down, trust yourself to get the first down the next play. If it's third down, yeah, you need the first down. Go for it. Take the hit. Yeah, I was. I've been rewatching the Trey Lance games because that's the kind of life I have, where I've watched <laughs> them for the millionth time. I'm wondering if Trey kind of learned last year, like all right, these guys are way faster than I'm used to. I need to just go down because getting that extra yard or two is not worth it, but we'll see. It's not FCS. You will get caught. <laughs> right. That's going to be part of the fun of having a new quarterback next year. Let's pivot a little bit here. You know what? Let's take... <laughs> you can't say that word without getting that response. Pivot! <laughs> Well done by you. You are a real boy. I didn't know that you watched friends. Good job. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get into our expectations for rookie minicamp and your Julio Jones question that you asked me before we started recording back here on the gold standard podcast. All right, Levin, let's get into uh, one thing we want to see from rookie minicamp, which starts tomorrow. I'm very excited for, it. I'm very excited for any football activities that are taking place because it's may and I really freaking miss it. I just want to see somebody flash. I don't care who it is. I don't care what it is. I want to see somebody do something that makes people go, whoa. Okay. Maybe it's Danny Green being lightning quick. Maybe it's uh, Donovan West looking like a mauler out there. Whatever it is, I just want to see something flash over rookie minicamp. You know what I want to see? After the handful of years the Niners have had, I want to see no f***ing injuries. That's what I want to see. Fair. <laughs> I don't I don't want to have an injury to anybody. Like I am so sick of the injury game with the 49ers. At least give us the off season. <laughs> yeah, could we get through a mini camp without anybody getting hurt? I mean, hell, Trey got hurt twice last year and he barely played. Oh, why? 
don't don't put that into the atmosphere. Come on. Sorry. Now. I'm just yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, I honestly like maybe it's just me buying into all this stuff and being a homer. But the more I learn and read up about this draft class and especially some of these undrafted free agents, like the more I kind of start to believe that maybe they got something here, you know, like the Drake Jackson pick. People seem to think that, you know, given the situation he's coming into where there's so much talent around him and the fact that he's probably only going to have one job to do that he can be, you know, a semi-effective pass rusher in year one for the 49ers. Like if you they get, you know, just solid contributions from a couple different guys here, this team's going to be really good. Yeah. So I'm not going to pretend I was a Jackson expert. I don't live on the West Coast. I'm not a USC fan like a lot of 49er fans are. Uh, But the more I looked into the pick after it was made, the more I read, the more breakdowns I saw from uh, people that really know what they're doing, the more I liked that pick, the more it seemed to fit. I think the Niners have a real good chance of having 15 sacks from that other side. And that would be Samson and him. Essentially, there's going to be a few others that mix in there, but I really think those two especially could combine for 15 sacks. And if they do, and you still have Nick Bowes on that other side, there's not a better defensive line at getting to the quarterback. You know, Akash and KP were talking about this yesterday. The defense has a really good chance to be better than they were last year. And they were damn good last year. When you consider that, you know, the the Drake Jackson pickup, the fact that they still have really good depth along the defensive front, the fact that their corners are better now than they were going into last year, the fact that D'Amico Ryans is going into year two now. He's not this inexperienced defensive coordinator. We saw him improve last year as the year went along. And basically, like Kyle said, like D'Amico Ryans is, is coaching for a head job mm-hmm. you know, after this year. So he's got all the incentive in the world to, you know, ball out essentially. That defense could be damn good this year and and easily, I think a conservative estimate is to be better than last year. Right. I mean, you have the breakout of Aziz last year. Now, you know, you have yep. three linebackers that can pretty much do it all. Not to say that they're all as good as Fred Warner, because there are mistakes that happen with the other two, but they are all capable of being really, really dominating in any game. And then you have the secondary. I think the cornerbacks are much improved from last year, especially with all the injuries they had there. There's just the one Achilles heel, the one unknown. Who's at the other safety spot? If it doesn't work out, if they go in counting on Traverius Moore or Hufanga to step up and it doesn't happen or they struggle or, you know, there's a lot of injury risk there with Moore, um, then that could really just be constantly shooting them in the foot. That could really destroy that defense if you don't have a good safety back there. Now, it could work out, and if that safety spot is good to go, then this defense has – there's no reason for them to not be the number one defense in the league. Now, a lot of luck comes into that in terms of how the ball bounces and turnovers to actually be number one, but there's no reason why they can't be the best defense in the league. Yeah, can we we just get some frigging turnovers? Like, can we get guys to make plays on the ball – I'm talking to you, Jimmy Ward. I'm talking to you. Maybe Charverius Ward can do it, and that'd be awesome. That's one of the things I loved about the two corners that they drafted, Womack and Castro Fields. 
they can make plays on the ball. So I like that the 49ers recognized that it was about time that someone in your secondary could do that. Now, we don't know if those guys can play, uh, but we'll see. All right, Levin, ask me the Julio Jones question you wanted to ask me. <laughs> At what point would you want Julio on the team? If there was a terrible accident and all the other receivers are dead. <laughs> Next question. Uh, there's your cone moment of the episode. I, no, man. No. <laughs> Julio Jones is cooked. Cooked. Okay. The dude cannot stay healthy. He played 10 games last year. He played nine games the year before. He's a perpetual hamstring strain. Every week he goes into the game questionable with a hamstring. Dude's got four touchdowns in the last 19 games that he has played. No, I want no part of Julio Jones. Hurt guys get hurt. It's the same reason I didn't want Jason Verrett on the team. He's going to get hurt. Like, no, you cannot depend on that. No, 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 no. Well, I would say they don't have to depend on him because of who they already have on roster. But I don't really see Julio Jones at all unless there's an injury because you have two solid number ones. He's not, if he's taking playing time from Debo or Ayuk, I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have guys that you're hoping step up, and, and Jennings deserves the opportunity to be the number three receiver. And, and you have, you know, Gray, the rookie, that you certainly hope, uh, certainly getting good publicity already in terms of what he has speed-wise. So you don't want Julio coming in and taking away those opportunities. But if something happens to one of those four, then, yeah, he's a good fallback if he's cheap. And that's the thing. What's he going to come in at? At this point, I think it's logical to say that he's not going to get much because he, he would have already gotten it. I don't think teams look at him as somebody they can trust anymore. If he comes in, it would probably be heavily incentive-laden. It would probably be like vet minimum with the chance to earn four or five extra million if he puts up really big numbers. That's where I'm at. If he was signed for the vet minimum right now, I wouldn't be pissed. I would just be, eh, kind of sucks. We're not going to see what these other guys can do. But I'm okay with him coming in at the vet minimum. If they sign him for five, six, seven million, you know, right before training camp, after they finally do something with Jimmy, I, I would not be very happy about that. Yeah, no. Like, think about this, right? The Titans had him last year. The Titans said, we're better off without Julio Jones. Well, they gave, he had a lot of money is the problem. They needed out of that contract. But they knew full well that things with A.J. Brown, at least, at minimum, were unsettled. Maybe they didn't know for sure that he wasn't going to re-sign, but they knew that that was a big question mark, and they still got rid of Julio Jones. They still said, we're better off without you than we are with you. And that wide receiver room before the draft with no Julio and no A.J. Brown was it's bare. It's empty. And they still got rid of him. So just keep that in Like, there's a reason He's out there and he's still out there now after basically the dust has sort of settled on the acquisition portion of the offseason. There's still a few guys here and there, but for the most part, the game changing players, so to speak, are all spoken for. Nobody wants Julio. They know. They know. And you shouldn't either. Stop prioritizing the name over the game. Oh, look at you. Ryman, baby. Brought the A game today. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Like, you don't want to count on Julio. 
But I feel like if the Niners signed him for cheap, they're not counting on him. He's just a bonus. And yeah, if he's healthy, he could be a huge difference maker on that field. When you talk about having, you know, three wide receivers set with IU, Julio, and Debo, like, and Kittle coming as the tight end, like, good luck to the secondary. But they don't need him. I don't think he, put it this way, whatever your projected win total is, if the Niners sign Julio, I don't think it changes. Maybe by no. half a game. And not that's even. being generous. Like, he's not swinging one way or the other. You asked me if I thought Kyle had been in touch with him already before we hit record. Thousand percent yes, right? Like, I, I Kyle loves his guys. He loves them. Whether it's Tevin Coleman Whoever it is, Alex Mack, like he has his guys and he loves them. There's a comfort level there with him. So I guarantee you he's at least talked to Julio Jones to, like you said, maybe try and, you know, um, grease the skid, so to speak, for a, a late season reunion. Yeah, I, like I, I firmly believe they are in conversations and the Niners are, I would bet the Niners have offered a vet minimum contract. I can't remember who the veteran was that ended up signing for more money last year. And he talked about how John Lynch was insulting him because John Lynch said, hey, here's a vet minimum deal. Come try to win a Super Bowl with us. <laughs> but yeah, that that presidents is out there. I would bet the Niners have quite a few vet minimum deals out there for these quality veterans that are still unsigned because that is their MO. They wait and then they send out these flyers basically saying, hey. We, we offer a winning situation. Why don't you come try to earn more money in the future? <laughs> right. Use us to get a big contract <laughs> next year. Um, I actually think if you're talking about a veteran wide receiver that I would like to see the 49ers sign, it's not Julio Jones. It's Jarvis Landry. I would love yeah, to He's see not coming the, for the minimum. Yeah, probably not. But he's out there. And I just, I really like him as a, as a locker room presence, as a guy who like, he just gets it, man. He, he understands culture in a, in a locker room. And I think he'd be a good mentor for Ayuk and for Debo and for Danny Gray. Like you said, anybody there, uh, that would be the angle I would go if I were the 49ers, who knows if they'll actually do it. Like you said, who knows if he's, if he's interested in doing that. He may look at some of these other teams, one of these loaded AFC teams, and think maybe he's got a better shot to chase a ring with them. We don't know, but we'll find Emmanuel out. Emmanuel Sanders is out there. Yeah, too many bad memories. Can't do it. Love him. <laughs> Not his fault by any stretch. All reports were that he was fantastic. Can't do it. I'm still scarred. Well, that, that's your own personal crybaby, whatever you want to call it. Like, <laughs> get over yourself. He's still a good receiver. I think he could come cheap at this point. I think he's a phenomenal locker room presence. Yep. Uh, as we've seen, I would be 100% fine bringing him in. I mean, Debo and Ayuk still talk to him, and they still love him. So, I mean, you know he would fit right in. Uh, I wonder how he would feel about catching passes from Trey Lance as opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll see if it ever happens. Uh, my money would Probably be... Probably pretty similar to what he just experienced because he's coming from Buffalo. Yeah, well, damn. Maybe he doesn't want to leave. Um, that's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Again, we remind you, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Drop us a rating and a review. You can weigh in on the Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, Emmanuel Sanders debate. We'd love to hear you uh, hear from you there. Levin is actually off next week, and that's okay with me because you know what? 
I got a fill in Levin and I just may be replacing you. Guy Haberman of the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast is going to hop in and uh, be the human wet blanket for us next week. So it's maybe more than a one week vacation for you, my friend. So you're saying you're replacing me with just a guy. God. <laughs> Talk about low hanging fruit. My God, you didn't even have to reach up for that one. That's well, true. Oh. Man, I, I will mean, be on the beach getting the vacation that you apparently can never take because Jimmy Garoppolo is still <laughs> on this team. <laughs> First of all, the thought of you on the beach is not something that I want in rattling around in my head. I actually did officially put in for a vacation. Uh, so, you know, that is happening. It's only uh, it's a week, but it's the week of Father's Day. So June 19th, I think that week I will be off. But don't worry, the plan is to have a bunch of pods ready to go for you. Kind of uh, some evergreen type stuff, just some fun stuff here and there. So there will still be podcasts that week, rest assured. Uh, you just won't be hearing my beautiful voice uh, like you normally do. Oh, shucks. Yeah, I know. It's just going to be a bunch of swears and insults to you. Maybe that the recorded. bleeding can stop for one minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> Enjoy your day, everybody. Enjoy the schedule. Michelle Majuk and I will be here for you tomorrow, breaking it all down. She's all fired up about it. She's been texting me because uh, we keep going back and forth on what the perfect schedule is for Trey Lance. And she and I are in a hot debate right now. So you'll get all of that tomorrow. Levin. She's probably right. You're probably wrong, but sure. Yep. I, I agree with you there. Enjoy your time off, and I'll talk to you in two weeks.